Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content, like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast, it's your marketing powerhouse. Visit contentmonster.com to learn more. That's contentmonsta.com. Hello, listener, and welcome to Great Designs. My name is Tim Kilfoyle, and I'm happy to host our Great Designs podcast, shining light on the complicated world of electronic design. Great design can be a challenge on its own, but it can be tougher to know where and how to get good information. We know this, and we help navigate through it every day. We built the Great Designs podcast to be a low-pressure, content-rich environment with topics that matter to you. Make us a regular stop and be informed. Tim Sullivan, it is very nice to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us on our wonderful new podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. So for our thousands of listeners, I'm going to start with the beginning, and that is Pal Pilot. You're the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Pal Pilot. And just so that everyone knows what this is all about, explain the name Pal Pilot. Well, Pal is uh, embodies partnership. Uh, yeah, buddy old pal. And that was uh, kind of the original idea. And pilot is uh, is a guide, right, that takes you through and moving forward. And that's really the, the total gist of that name uh, as our uh, principles created it many years ago. So I get the question regularly and it's I always have to explain it. I just it's a good story because it came out around the same time as a Palm Pilot, so I have to answer that question frequently. I, I think we capitalized on that confusion for quite a few years. Well, it definitely <laughs> stands out. It's it's memorable. So, who is Pal Pilot, and why do you matter? One of the people that works here with us likes to say, "What is your so what?" So, who is Pal Pilot, and what is Pal Pilot's so what? Well, Pal Pilot was uh, was formed to actually bring solutions uh, using the experience of our uh, senior staff. Our FAE is to find the right solution for our customer, and uh, we started with printed circuit design and printed circuit board, but we brought that into other disciplines such as magnetics, mechanical, and interconnect. Uh, and now we have the semiconductor business unit that we're trying to put into that same uh, category. So it started though in the roots of the company are in design back in the late 80s. Is that right? Can you Correct. just give some background on the roots of the company and how it got started in North America? Yeah, our CEO, Eddie New, uh, came to the US uh, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s and got his graduate degree from Texas Tech. He's a Red Raider. And uh, he went to work for Fujitsu as a printed circuit board uh, layout uh, designer. And he quickly decided to start his own entity uh, in 1993 in Silicon Valley uh, doing layout services. And he translated that into PCB fabrication as well. So that's our roots. I joined the company in the year 2000 as we were really building our printed circuit manufacturing capabilities because my background is also circuit boards at that time. So you joined in what year? 
the year 2000. Okay, and you were in boards back when mid 80s. I early started 80s? in now. I started in boards in 92. Um, okay, that's what my background, and it was all uh, quick turn. We did all engineering prototypes, fast turn. I uh, developed process where we could do the 24, 36, 48 hour turn. Uh, all working with uh, some unbelievable engineering departments. Uh, IBM was the one I cut my tooth on, uh, supporting IBM Austin, uh, which was a PCB fabricator, but we did all their quick turn at that time. So we did all kinds of fun, uh, high layer count boards, through hole boards at the time when the capability was barely there to do such a thing. So. Uh, and these were West Coast shops or East Coast shops? Where, uh, this was uh, Fountain Valley, California, a uh, factory that no longer exists, but it was a great place to cut my teeth. And I learned the entire process from uh, soup to nuts and we uh, we had fun every day. I spent way too much time there, uh, but uh, we had a really, really good uh, time. So on the topic of PAL Pilot, I'm going to ask you to react to this. PAL Pilot has been successful for the past 25 years because? Because uh, we, we brought the right experience together, but we really understood the value of the right solution for the product. Not every manufacturing site could build everything. So we really did uh, all we could to analyze the capabilities of each of our facilities and find the right solution for that product uh, with the factory. You know, the factories had great scale. They were huge, but they had very strong uh, products that brought them to the, where they became successful. Uh, each product attributes really define their capabilities and their systems and quality systems uh, they had. So we did all we could to make sure we were bringing our customer's product to the right facility. And you're talking primarily circuit boards, I know, initially. Initially, yep. Yeah. But we've really uh, opened the door for our other divisions and our revenue from our other business units now is very significant, uh, going to probably exceed 30% of our gross revenue this year. So we continue to grow in the, the uh, printer circuit board, uh, but we also are growing rapidly in our other business units. So customers, the raving fans that you that uh, are among your customer base, who are the raving fans and the people who are raving fans, why do they love you? What is it that you are doing for them in particular that, that sort of lets them excel in their marketplace? Uh, our raving fans, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go through all of our customer names, but our raving fans, we've brought solutions not just for uh, quality, but we've brought VAVE solutions, value-added value engineering solutions. And we've worked with them from the very beginning to make sure that we're bringing the best value, the best quality, and uh, obviously we have to deliver at the same time. Uh, so. Um, those are our raving fans. We'll say, yes, Pal Pilots saved us a lot of money and we, we've not had any issues with their uh, quality or delivery. Um, that, that is our whole goal, bring that right solution. 
So I didn't ask earlier, but tell me about the footprint for Palpilot. You're obviously in North America. We work with you here in the U.S., but I'm curious, what is the footprint now globally and what do you expect that to look like in the next, say, five years? Um, our, our global footprint, we have over 250 people on uh, payroll Palpilot globally. Uh, about 135, 140 are in North America. That's supporting our uh, sales penetration, our uh, FAE support, uh, and our customer service, uh, accounting, all of that we have to do uh, managerial-wise. And then we've uh, put on the similar infrastructures in China, Taiwan, extending into Malaysia. Uh, so we support our OEM and EMS customer throughout the world uh, real time uh, with their customer service, with quality. We have all the quality in the facilities uh, and we can be on, on site uh, within hours. Uh, so, and then engineering, we've got all of the support engineering wise to facilitate uh, a quick tooling, accurate tooling, and to really one of the hardest things that we do is communication and understanding the communication, making it as clear as possible. Even as good as we are and as bilingual as we are, it communication still poses challenges because uh, you're dealing with printed circuit board language, you're dealing with English, you're dealing with Mandarin, you're dealing with uh, all kinds of uh, 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 obstacles. So that we've, we've uh, facilitated that, and that's what our global infrastructure was all about. So we uh, take the OEM uh, and, and support them uh, in the bringing the right solution, but we also work with their contract manufacturing locations to support the contract manufacturer as a customer as well, to bring quality support, engineering support, uh, DFM to, to those sites as well. So we've been able to do that throughout the world. So what's I've got a lot of experience, of course, with Palpilot, and I've gone on several audits. I've visited several factories. In fact, I remember one day where we went to six factories in a single day. It was quite a whirlwind. <laughs> However, the thing that I would say to to those listening that aren't familiar with Palpilot is what you can't appreciate without getting to know and travel with Palpilot is the respect the factories have for you. But moreover, it's the network that you've created overseas. So I want to ask you to talk about that a little bit. And I'm, and I'm going to paint the picture a bit. So the network, this is me traveling with you into China and not meeting with a board shop, but I'm talking to an equipment manufacturer. And then you take me to see a chemistry manufacturer. And then you take me to see a laminate supplier. And then I'm meeting with a connector company or I'm meeting with a plating company. All of these different pieces, I for, for the engineers that we get to listen to this, what you can't appreciate with Palpilot is the depth of the network that they have overseas. So I don't want this to sound like a commercial too much, Tim, but paint for us that picture, the, the, the web that you've woven, so to speak, over in China and how far it, te how far it reaches. Well, uh, uh, for, for printed circuit board, we uh, obviously we've spent so many years developing that network um, and understanding the chemistries, the laminates, uh, the the equipment that is required, uh, the automation uh, equipment 
as of in the last five years has just gone uh, unbelievable. But uh, to to understand the full supply chain for all of these different disciplines, uh, the the different business units, that's what it takes to bring a proper solution to our customer. Um, and we, we've networked and continue to network through all those supply chains for each business unit so that we can bring the right answer to the customer as quickly as possible with the greatest value, right? We have to be competitive. There's costs of doing business. We have to uh, be paid. But the, the true fact of the matter is if you know the solution, you can bring a tremendous value very quickly to the customer. And that's always been our goal. Um, and I appreciate traveling with you because uh, you're so professional and going and seeing some of these uh, uh, facilities in there. I know that uh, quite impressive when you actually get there and, and you see what's uh, the true capability and the scope of the capability. Well, the one thing I'll tell you that, uh, and you and I don't actually have this type of discussion about these, but what's so interesting to me traveling over there, it's one thing to go over when you've got a supply problem. It's one thing to go over there when you've got an audit scheduled, but to meet the people casually and talk to them about the process they go through on plating or on chemistries or on equipment or how things get sold to the factories or how the factories decide they're going to shut this one and open this one or just a, a meal with one of the general managers or quality manager, et cetera. That's not the typical process that a customer from the U.S. might experience in China on a supplier visit. So that's something that I, I'll just repeat. Our customers can't fully appreciate that. And there's no magic to it. There's no nothing hidden behind it. It's just to be able to see it in a culture that I'm not familiar with is very eye-opening and it's comforting. And I get, you know, it, it makes the product much easier to sell here in the U.S. to our customers. So one of the one of the big keys to our we we uh, during the pandemic we've had uh, strong growth, and it uh, our infrastructure uh, being on the ground in Asia, being able to perform audits, virtual audits, uh, be on site to manage engineering issues, to work through the quality, uh, to quickly respond to issue, uh, you know, quality issues and have people on the ground has proven so strong. It, it strengthened uh, our model and our supply chain uh, throughout because we also are, are bringing solutions uh, for our factories. And that's part of that partnership with the customer as well as with the factory. We uh, have uh, program managers that go through and work actual statistical models with the facilities in order to get that yield from 96 to 98% on some of our high, high volume uh, offerings. And, and then we're looking for that extra percent because every percent is value. In the in the chain, it's value to the customer. It's value to the factory, and uh, our team and I can't say enough about them in China has really done an excellent job of that. Yep. Well, today especially, yield is every extra percent with a cost of money these days is meaningful. So, with with uh, the discussion on the factories, I want to I want to mention that they seem to now often come to you. And I think this has probably been happening for a while. In other words, you are attracting factories, circuit board factories, et cetera, wanting to do business in the U.S., wanting to do it through your model. 
the vetting process. What is it that you're looking for? How are you vetting a company that's coming to you looking for access to the North American market? Um, well, I must get 50 emails a week, uh, of which maybe 10% of them are true facilities. The, the market over there has created a tremendous amount of virtual uh, companies out of Hong Kong and, and out of Shenzhen that uh, are, aren't real. So we we tend to know who's real in the in the space, and when we're partnering with them, we're looking for uh, the, the, a solution. What do you bring that's different? We're not trying to bring a lot of the same uh, manufacturing capacities. We want to define uh, a, a niche with e within each manufacturer that brings a solution to our our uh, customer. So. We, uh, our quality manager in, in China, Peter, is, does an amazing job. And it is a, the most thorough audit anybody could undergo. Uh, Peter can get to the root. He, he has no language barrier and he's been through hundreds of facilities. And he will quickly ascertain if you've got what you have in your process and what you have in your quality system. Um, and if he finds a weakness, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's how you deal with the weakness and how the factory approaches, uh, the, you know, the, the corrective action that they're getting. So we look for all of those items and it's not just for printed circuit board. It's through our, all of our interconnect, our cable manufacturing, our magnetics, uh, fabrication. Uh, we have, uh, similar quality teams for each one and really their goal is to help develop them not just criticize and and berate them it's to develop them into a better better supplier for our customer sure so many of our customer engineers who could be listening have never been to a chinese factory or they haven't performed an audit and wouldn't necessarily know the pitfalls that they could conceivably see over there so i'm curious can you tell us something that would shock them <laughs> about a visit to a to a factory in China, maybe that you've experienced. Well, uh, the, probably one of the funniest uh, episodes that I've been through is a very strong customer of ours um, went into a facility, and you know we had tons of people following us around, and we had quality people and uh, all the salespeople and everybody's behind us and we get up to a piece of equipment and if you've seen uh, uh some of these equipment they have red yellow and green lights it, the green lights on it's been approved for production and that is that line is moving and one of these lights wasn't working and our customer pointed to that light and said you know what's going on here and they said, oh, well, th this light has been put down on the maintenance to, to be fixed. Oh, so we all start looking at another, looking at the work instructions. And oh, our customer goes up to the machine, looks at it, touches the wire, and the light starts blinking on and off. <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he jokingly goes, hey, I think I fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's just an anecdotal. That's kind of a funny thing. But uh, truly, uh, the 
when I started traveling to China 20 years ago, the scale, as I mentioned earlier, the scale of everything was so much bigger than North America. They bought the biggest equipment, the, the most throughput. But at that time, the quality wasn't there. And I think that's kind of every uh, – people are scared of, of uh, Asian quality. They see – they see potentially dirt floors or something just grow. But that was never part of that equation. But the quality systems over the last 20 years have developed so amazingly. They've adopted the 5S, 6 Sigma. Uh, they really have, have put true statistics into their quality process. But I got to watch that development over the last 20 years. And it's been re really amazing. And Pilot really aligns themselves with people who you do that level of quality analysis. If you're not statistically controlling your process, you've got a big problem. You're just building and scrapping. So, you know, we've, we've worked towards that. And, um, you know, the level of automation has taken some of that to the extreme as now you can adopt AI and put that in with real numbers. And you come up with solutions even faster. And our top facilities are utilizing just that, uh, grabbing numbers, crunching them, and actually working on yields overall. So that's been a, an amazing thing to see, and they continue to, to utilize that. I've seen uh, plating facilities go from hundreds and hundreds of employees per shift to tens of employees per shift with five times the throughput that the hundreds and hundreds of employees. So the, that level of automation going into the process is, is uh, pretty amazing to see. And uh, uh, we're, we're utilizing that uh, every day. So, so the, the customers buying overseas that might have residual fears. So you mentioned over the past 20 or 25 years, you've watched the quality systems come sort of uh, gain and improve and, and, uh, maybe they're world-class. I think we could call them world-class now because that effectively is the center of technology now for the PCB industry. But what are some of the, let's say the two to three fears that a customer here in North America might have that you might tell us is unfounded. In other words, yes, that was a concern 10 years ago. It's not a concern anymore. Well, uh, SPC and utilization of SPC is probably one of the, the, Fear of a true quality team is worried about and wants to see using in the factories. Um, some of the other is, is just cleanliness, right? Uh, and the level of cleanliness in our, our facilities is, is beyond uh, reproach. They're very clean facilities. Um, but I'm going to throw another one at you right now. Geopolitics is mm. is on the top of everybody's concerns. And how that's going to factor into uh, the the world. Uh, so geopolitics is a big concern these days, and we're uh, have capitalized. Uh, obviously, we're we're ta Taiwanese uh, by nature, so we've we've moved uh, and developed and helped develop more capacities in Taiwan and Malaysia uh, and Thailand. So in order to offer people an out of China solution, so um, but. You, you mentioned that the China is the global center for printed circuit board fabrication, and it remains to be that way because the infrastructure supporting it in China has allowed it to keep costs down. Um, as 
geopolitics shifts. Taiwan is obviously very strong, but you pay a price for using Taiwan and Thailand and and Malaysia at the moment. Uh, but you know, we we've got to keep our pulse on that. So uh, geopolitics is is probably the number one concern at the moment for for okay. a lot of supply chains. And I agree. That is what we would call a pressing challenge for the industry now. If you look away from the social piece of it, and maybe more into the, let's call it the mechanical nature, uh, mechanical parts of the of the industry, is there a pressing challenge within fabrication today? Is there something within the PCB industry that you would say is pressing outside of the geopolitics? Yeah, uh, technology wise, we've got to be on top of it. Technology is changing for the printed circuit board. To you know, we've got to be uh, in the twenty-five to forty micron range now. Line in space, um, are the component uh, geometries are driving this uh, LED packaging, uh, just chip resistors. Uh, uh, they're they're getting incredibly small, and you know our our favorite uh, conductor is copper, right? And how do you uh, right now there isn't really solutions other than copper reduction techniques. So being able to process your circuit board with what they call MSAP or SAP, modified semi-additive processes or semi-additive processes, uh, this is going to be so critical. We're pushing all of our manufacturing sites to, to this because we're getting line and space concerns that uh, go way below what used to be three and three was tight. Now they want you know sub forty micron, um, uh, so mil and a half uh, uh, line in space. Well, this is driving the technology, uh, being able to work with your the lowest base copper uh, possible to where it's almost a. a just an electroless deposition on the on the outer layer laminates because you won't want to etch without even using a resist. You want to be able to etch at a very high rate through your 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 etching process. So I've seen automated lines, uh, fully automated that use zero etch resist, only pattern plating, and then uh, uh, be able to remove surface copper. So. This this is critical to our future uh, and to the packaging required. The printed circuit board will never go away. Um, it'll it'll always be the interposer that the, the that'll the mount the semiconductor on. There's some technologies evolving. Flexible circuits are very uh, adaptable to to this, and I think we're going to see uh, a greater use of flex circuits because they they're they're malleable. They can be put into smaller package, and they're very thin. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, technologies now coming out in the semiconductor world. What they call the chiplet technology, where you're using the actual package to to mount onto the the board directly or onto the flex circuit directly. So, you know, we have to stay on top of this. There's there's a, an evolution in the semiconductor. Uh, obviously, they want to produce more on a wafer than they ever have because that makes them more efficient and more profitable. So, that that in turn drives our capability there. So, we have to be smaller, faster, better uh, and looking at different substrates uh, to accommodate that. 
So put that in perspective for for a young engineer listening now who could say, I heard on the on a podcast today that boards are going to be shifting into semiconductor packaging only or shifting into flex circuits. Are you talking more about the edges of the market or do you think that's going to be sort of driven by high volume cell phone applications, high volume automotive applications? And do you think that the standard FR4 product as you and I know it and most people around know it? is going to be here for 20, 30 more years? Oh, I think the standard FR4 will be around for 20, 30 more years for sure. But the amount of computing that will be mounted to that will get denser and uh, you know contain more. You know, the, this chiplet technologies that they're discussing now are going to pack more and more into the next level substrate that will be mounted on the FR4 package. So... Um, you got you have to have the carrier, uh, and that you know the geometries will a- expand and grow out. But um, the the amount of computing that will be done, and that's just you know our 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 industry is uh, evolving and getting faster. I mean, I I I saw a supercomputing video on the Wall Street Journal today uh, that we have uh, developed a com- supercomputer called the Frontier, and I think. The amount of uh, per second is in the quintillion wow. number. High speed. 16 zeros were on that one. <laughs> so. Wow. So you say the semiconductor manufacturers are driving the densities. They're driving the scale, forcing everything to get smaller and smaller. And I'm just curious to know, and this is a bit of forward looking on your part, is it ripe for disruption? Is the board industry ripe for disruption? Is chip scale mounting ripe for ripe for dis, uh, disruption? Do you see something coming down the pike that would take the next 20 and 30 years and say, well, instead of the bulk of it being on FR4, this technology is coming along? Tim, I'd probably be a billionaire if I had that answer. Um, <laughs> we'll give it a shot. Maybe, <laughs> maybe 50 million is good enough. But, but flip chip packaging uh, and... Uh, ultrasonic bonding, uh, these type of processes, I already see them in standard printed circuit board operations, uh, doing doing the entire chip on flex uh, assembly process within the flex manufacturing. So it's it's there where it's being adopted broadly, not at the moment, but you know for the wearables devices for. Uh, these type of packages, it's already being used. Um, so we've got the, you know, the whole laser drilling uh, operation, any layer interconnect uh, is widely used at this time uh, in consumer level products. So it's being tested there. Um, all of your uh, wearables are, are, are there. Uh, so um, you will see uh, a lot of it there. But the semiconductor packages are are what's taking us to those level of geometries. So back on the topic of Pal Pilot, I've got a couple more questions I wanted to ask. For a, what is it that you do to make business easier for a design engineer? And let's let's. I always think of the young engineer because you and I are both trying to find ways to reach out to the younger engineers. But what is it that Pal Pilot does to make business easier? For a young engineer who may be new into to sourcing circuit boards, new into designing circuit boards, what do you offer that he couldn't get on his own 
or she in this in this case, reaching out to a fabricator in Malaysia or in Thailand? Uh, obviously, we we yeah. We bring our experience and our ability and uh, to navigate the supply chain and and the and the manufacturing. So that um, that experience and my team can bring such good VAVE at the front end. From the original idea was to do printed circuit design and be able to understand fabrication, and that's what Palpilot was built on because we found so many. Uh, PCB designers had no knowledge of the actual fabrication. Um, Eddie wanted to marry all of that together into uh, what Palpilot began as. And we, when a young engineer comes to us, we're honest. We, we, we bring that solution. We tell them what's, what the capabilities are, um, where, where, where we can save money in his design bringing the assembly side of it to them immediately, thinking through the assembly process for them. So in order to achieve better costs through the PCBA as well. So we're able to bring all of that uh, solution to the young engineer immediately. Uh, and, uh, and and we do it, uh, as I said, very honest, uh, forthright. We're, we're not uh, – uh, pretentious in any way. My team has been developed on just being personable uh, with all of our customer base and being bringing true honesty to the solution. Um, that's, I guess, the best I can do there. Sure. So a unique market challenge, if you can just think of something, I'll say in your experience or in the experience of Palpilot, some market challenge that you faced and how was your competitive advantage used in this situation to solve something that was most likely a problem for your customer? Well, where I, I've hit many opportunities to in thin packaging. I've, we talked about flex, but I've had uh, several medical customers in the last uh, eight to 10 years that need very light uh, packages and they need very thin uh, structures. And we've brought the ability to process thin reinforced structures, not, not flex material, but FR4s in the two mil, four mil range, uh, multi-layer, extremely thin range, uh, uh, utilizing real specific plating capabilities, copper reduction methodologies in order to achieve these thin structures. Uh, and I continue to try to develop that. Uh, people want lighter wearable uh, parts. So, you know, medical is just going crazy with what you're able to do diagnostically uh, with the patient uh, and remote calls just like this, you know, being able to get proper information to the doctor uh, and the, those uh, solutions that I'm very proud of that we've brought to the table for our customers have proven extremely valuable and uh we're we're now in uh, mass volume on those packages so um we've done some unique things just with industrial products uh, uh we've had a customer who came to us that uh you know with iot and with the ability to uh, for communications uh in the field we've actually put a, a connector pcb solution into uh hvac motors so that a opera uh, a uh, repair person can go up with their device 
and they can see how many hours this runs. Uh, they can grab all the information uh, from from the uh, industrial motor uh, immediately. So uh, th those are some of the things that. So we brought our interconnect side and our PCB side together for for that solution. Uh, in magnetics, we've done the same. Um, we were able to design a transformer that can take a direct lightning strike, uh, and uh, we were we it took uh, a couple years to get past that. But our FAE uh, was able to design a package uh, that withstood, I think it was thirteen thousand volt strike. Um, wow! We failed a few times. <laughs> But now, uh, it, it, so we've gone past that. So those are some of some of the unique uh, products. That's great. Um, we also there was one other one I wanted to mention too is uh, our interconnect solutions team uh, designed a cable and a uh, overmold with our circular connector that would fail if it tried to be sterilized. That was one a very strong solution because it, it's a disposable product and it's not to be used again. So they wanted to make sure that the medical offices could not sterilize that product. So if it goes into an autoclave, it deforms quickly and shows itself. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, that's great. So I happen to know uh, you don't have any sons, but I'm gonna ask you, to pretend you do, or perhaps a nephew, and he comes to you and he says, I'm thinking of getting into the circuit board industry as my future. They're fresh out of college. They're looking at getting into it. It could be in the way of operations. It could be as an engineer. It could be in sales. But someone comes to you, a son or a nephew, and is looking at you as a trusted advisor and says, I want to get into the circuit board world. Is this a good idea for my career? What do you say? I say yes. I, uh, I look to the personality, obviously, but um, our PCB industry is going to grow in the U.S. I think we're going to get uh, more funding. So our, our manufacturing capacities in the U.S. will grow, but we're definitely challenged in the PCB industry in the design layout side of things. Um, we could say that uh, a lot of us, uh, a lot of the designers are getting long of tooth to be nice, um, but we see a definite need and we're looking towards providing more training programs for the young engineer to get into PCB layout. Um, there's opportunities there. Uh, there's so many uh, constrained uh, manufacturers now, OEMs, that need this discipline. Uh, from the manufacturing side, uh, I think we've got a lot of work to do in North America on our capacities. I know there's initiatives right now to look at growing capacities and in the semiconductor packaging as well. Uh, we've seen some of the legislation uh, as of late is going to invest billions and billions and billions into the semiconductor industry. Well, a semiconductor doesn't work without a PCB. Uh, to associate with it. We call that an IC substrate, but also you have to have the uh, the capability to do the reference design and all, all that in North America. I see opportunities for growth in North America uh, specifically. So I encourage any young engineers to consider it, uh, be male, female, uh, uh, to come into the printed circuit board world. It's evolving. Uh, it there definitely opportunities uh, all over the place. So, come on. 
<laughs> well, it's been good to you and it's been good to me. Yeah. And it's a fun place to be. It actually, uh, it's interesting where we are now geopolitically, but I do think that we're going to see a lot of change over the next three to five years, probably more than we've seen over the past five years. But Well, Tim, thanks very much. I, I appreciate your coming on and it's always good to have the conversation with you. So thanks. All right. Thanks, Tim. Thank you for tuning into Great Designs, our low-pressure, content-rich environment where we cover topics related to superior designs and electronics. Our content is posted here once a month, and we hope to catch you on our next episode. Did you know a podcast episode like this can provide literally dozens of marketing content assets for your business? It's brought to you by Content Monster, your go-to for engaging marketing content, like this podcast or remote video production. It's not just a podcast, it's your marketing powerhouse. Visit contentmonster.com to learn more. That's contentmonsta.com.